My lower the, third is very impressive, oh, by the way. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up. And by the I way, didn't bring by up the way my lower third is like my thighs to my feet. So, <laughs> just so you know. Oh, my God. I got calves for days, people. Oh, your lower third <laughs> would say pork sediker <laughs> jokester. Wow. And, no. And pundit. How would sometime you, pundit. Why, why are you dissing my calves right I'm now? I'm not. I have a well-turned calf. No. <laughs> No, do you know what a lower third is? No. Oh, I don't. I just assumed you meant my from my knees down. But no, when you um see someone the screen, on the screen, yeah, it has their and, like and that has their curriculum bio vitae, their, yeah, like a as brief, they say, a brief, you know, little blurb about yeah. who the fuck my they are. My lower third is my legs. Girl. <laughs> <You're> weird. <laughs> Something is wrong. Oh, there's no doubt about that. There's oh no doubt about God. that. There definitely is something wrong with me, but. Honestly, our listeners don't need to know that. <laughs> no. Okay, we'll keep you it. You need to polish this up for our listeners so that they think that I'm will. this thoughtful, mm-hmm. elegant gentleman. Hi, and welcome to Gen Extemporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with an idea, I do some research, I grab a bottle of wine, I bring everything to Mark, and he pontificates. In today's episode, we are sort of going to be discussing one of Mark's favorite topics, cannibalism. Together, we watched the documentary The House of Hammer, available on HBO Max, and as is the case with many people, we were really engrossed with the obviously salacious details of actor Army Hammer's unique fantasy life. As I've done more research, though, I started thinking about it a bit differently, and in this episode, we are going to discuss the state of the documentary in contemporary culture, using The House of Hammer and other documentaries that we've watched as touchstones for discussion. Please be aware that during this episode, we will be discussing sexually explicit topics, alleged sexual assault, kink, and other things that some may find difficult to hear. Thank you for coming to listen to us each week. And if you do like us, please share us with a friend. Wow. That was a long, a long intro that went right to the very end. Thank God we have long music. I guess. Wow. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, Thanks, Tom. All right. Oh. You're supposed to greet me. Oh, oh, that's right. I didn't know. Well, we it's, did. It's I, been a while. No, you're no. Hi, Mark Snedeker. Hello, I know, but. Christina LaRusso. Well, yes, I know. And I tell a joke. <laughs> and we start the podcast. That's how this is. That's how this works. No, it's okay. It's, it hasn't been that long. No, it has been a little while, though. No, but now it's too late. Well, no. Hi, Mark Snedeker. I like the enthusiasm. <laughs> I mean, okay. Hi, Christine Lewerson. <laughs> all right, all right. So, our long national nightmare is over. A, the podcast returns. We took a little bit of a hiatus there. Two, after m- almost a year of waiting, I've decided to bring my own fucking wine. <laughs> and I have a lovely French rosé oh, here in front of me. And... The third thing we've been waiting for and this finally happening is we finally get to discuss cannibalism. Sort of. Sort of. I mean, look, I'm going to say as much about cannibalism as you'll let me. <laughs> this is a running joke for those of you who may be new to the podcast, um, but that Mark says stuff about cannibalism just to piss me off. Pretty because much. Because <laughs> it's just like repetitive and I have to edit it all out. Well, here is his opportunity. Yeah, because- things like... Um, 
everybody loves Star Wars except for maybe like cannibals. cannibals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always back to cannibals. But anyway, so we watched this documentary, The House of Hammer. Yeah, maybe I should have, instead of a French rosé, gotten a nice can. Can <laughs> <laughs> Baba <laughs> Yes. Oh, no. A fucked up guy. All right. All right. So instead of a hot take, so wait. So we we watched together The House of Hammer. And when we watched it, it of course is salacious and it's kind of, of an involved story, much more involved than you maybe would imagine. Start just going into it. Right. And uh, we enjoyed it and thought it was fun to watch. Yeah ish but i think both of us at a certain point were kind of like this is kind of salacious for the sake of being salacious and i don't know if i came to that and said said so to you afterwards or if we kind of both looked at each other while we were watching it yeah we were cracking jokes when we were watching it yes we were it's not ken burns baseball no okay but neither is it Tiger King. No. Well, no. It might be kind of like Ken Burns' Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the production, like, well, and we'll get there. We'll get there no. to this kind of conversation. But I guess one baseline that I want to establish with you, because this will help to inform the rest of this conversation, which is going to be more actually about the art of documentary filmmaking. Which you know I'm an expert in. <laughs> well, it's your puddle of knowledge, my yes. guy. <laughs> I mean, I can I can spell documentary. How's that? <laughs> but, so we're going to talk more about the, the art of making documentaries than we are necessarily, like, we're not going to go episode by episode through House right. of Hammer. Because of my kind of distaste Right. You don't want to, you don't, you're not going to reward (laughs) these salacious, prurient muckrakers with a full episode by episode breakdown. I don't know why. You're just going to skim the surface and criticize them. I don't know why I wouldn't, because we did a deep dive into that one about that weird man and the Natalia Grace. I mean, mean, that was, that was as, as bad as they could come. But anyway, all right. So, Let's ask, ask this question. Let's get a baseline from both of us on what, because it's subjective, but what yeah. do you think the documentaries are for or should they be for? What do you think? And then let's talk about what what uh, scholars think. I, yeah. Uh, documentaries, which I think I mentioned I can spell, <laughs> right? And, mm-hmm. oh, I know it in German too, Dokumentarfilm. <laughs> like, Dokumentarfilm. Isn't that good? That's close. Yeah. Um, it. To me, their usefulness is really, I would describe it as long-form historic journalism. How's that? Mm -hmm. Where basically you're you're looking at an event that presumably isn't super current, but I guess you could have a current, you know, documentary about, I don't know, Ukraine or something that, you know, the Ukraine war that might be relevant. But you're looking at a topic or an event and you're doing a should be somewhat scholarly but you're doing a an analysis and a deep dive into that event and or person right right and so something interesting that you're hinting at there is is like the historical aspect or not oh, i try hinting. not to, i try not to be subtle i'm not, sorry should not, i just explicitly not really hinting it, it's historical too but let's just say this as soon as you film something, yes, if it's an event, if it's whatever it is, a retelling of an event or right. an ex, 
Like as soon as you do that, even even if it's a very current thing, it's an ongoing yeah. thing, that's history then. You've created a historical document because of course that will always be in the past. It can't it, you right. know, you can add on to it. You can right. do like a series 2 or a part 2 or whatever. So it every would be. TikTok about farting or something is a historical document? Well, as as yeah, in I mean, aggregate, in aggregate, yeah. historians will be able to, assuming that they have access like, still to yes. it. Well, as we see in the year twenty twenty three, farts were very important. <laughs> well, but they'll look at this stuff is like back that. when humans still e- had anuses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've moved beyond that. <laughs> well, all right. So, so you okay? So for me, I I think that there's got to be. I think for me it has to be, well, it's always going to be, as for me, I'm very comfortable with it because it's always going to be a historical document of right. some sort or a historical resource, primary source in some cases, but also just a secondary source that is, you know, yeah. in close context, uh, um, temporal context, maybe able to uh, capturing an event. So it's always going to be kind of historical in some way. But also educational to me. I think that there's 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 right. an educational component. Now, educational. What what do you mean by that? Well, I'm not going to get into parsing words, but for me, it's educational. And educational doesn't mean need to be elevated. It just has to, or right. infor, maybe educational slash informational, because that would educational would be more an elevated right. presentation. Informational would be more what I think more and more documentaries are becoming which is you know we'll get to that eventually yeah. and we'll, isn't we'll, the another isn't another function of doc some documentaries and because we discussed this away from the microphone oh geez <laughs> this is this is how exciting we are people <laughs> we discuss the nature of documentaries <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it's also some of it is also to preserve you know, something like a historical record or, you know, we were talking about, you know, the interviewing the last native speaker of some obscure language, right? Uh, That's a documentary. It's not really instructional. It's really just, I mean, these are things like the the, uh, Smithsonian does, National Geographic, where they're Um, just preserving the historic record. And I think as you're trying to be a little skeptical about that, you might want to check the definition (laughs) of the word documentary (laughs) and see that that is included in what a documentary is. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I agree with you that they are creating a source, right? It's almost like, well, they're creating a record. So, so, So that would be more of a documentary record than a documentary film. A filmmaker could come and use those documentary records as primary sources to create a film. In an April 2023 article uh, for IndieWire, Brian Welk interviewed a bunch of people, and one of them was a documentary talent manager. Uh, he, the, the talent manager, they wanted to remain uh, anonymous. But anyway, that person said this in this article, documentaries are supposed to be about telling a story that wouldn't otherwise be told or bringing to light a story and an issue and characters that likely wouldn't otherwise be told. I, I would quibble with that a little bit. It could also be a story that would be told, but in greater detail than it might normally. For example, the story of World War II has been told. Mm-hmm. We're the good guys, they're the bad guys. We murdered each other in several areas in Europe and in Africa and in Asia. But 
it's also, you know, it's a, a deeper dive than a superficial story typically. Right. Okay. So the same t- uh, talent manager goes on to say that doesn't mean that documentaries aimed at broad audiences shouldn't exist. It's just that there's also got to be room for those emerging filmmakers and those stories that are giving you a snapshot into a world that you wouldn't otherwise get a snapshot into. Something that's not already been in the headlines. Right, like the Jersey Shore. Right, I think that's where the divide seems to be. It just seems like commercial equals something that we as a society already know about. So this... To me, this manager is talking about the tendency that we're seeing and certainly that we that we or I or we picked up in watching House of Hammer and probably a lot of the documentaries that we've talked about for this show, Yeah, which is... Um, Gen Extemporaneous, that's what this is. <laughs> More things that are like ripped from the headlines. Yeah. So it could be true crime stuff. It could just be a salacious... You know, gossipy story like this House this of Hammer or Anna is, Delvey or, or Anna Delvey, which is a criminal thing. You know, what I mean, I think that there's like that, but it could be a lot of things that are known to a celebrity. In fact, Beckham, I would argue, so that kind of falls into the yeah. biographical uh, documentary. Yeah. But that's a famous person. Now we're having a documentary about yeah, that because he's a good-looking soccer player and he married a right. good-looking singer but yeah. the, but that's kind of from the headlines because he's a known person he's a celebrity right yeah. so uh, brooke shields's documentary pretty baby which i have an episode in the can actually with andrea and i talking about it so maybe i'll bring release that out it. for next release next the kraken yeah. <laughs> i will um, are you guys the kraken <laughs> i guess um so that's what i think that person is talking about um the definition of documentary, as I was digging into this, is mutable. Yeah, that's fair. Um, in an article for the New York Times, author A.O. Scott says, unlike other journalistic and quasi-journalistic forms, no code of ethics has ever been agreed upon by practitioners of the art, and what rules of thumb there are tend to be temporary, controversial, and broken as soon as they are made. Aren't they all required to submit it to Ken Burns to get the documentary <laughs> know, stamp like, of approval? He is kind of <laughs> he's like, like the, sitting on a th- documentary throne. He he's is. like, approach Tiger King. <laughs> you are a documentary stamp. <laughs> and then he moves on. They're like, uh, Jersey Shore, you are a reality show denied. <laughs> Um, but okay, so then if we're gonna get like really down to in technical, Oxford English, you know, you know, I will. Oxford English uh, uh, Dictionary says documentary is a non-fictional motion picture intended to document reality, primarily for the purpose of instruction, yes. education, or maintaining a historical oh, record. What's that last one? I'm oh, sorry, I didn't hear that. <laughs> no, I, I didn't quite hear that. What was that pres- preserving the historical record? I, <laughs> uh, what? Others have thought of documentary as a creative treatment of actuality and others still, so others meaning others than the um, Oxford English, uh, and others still think life as it is, that is filmed surreptitiously or life caught unawares, which means like life provoked or surprised by the camera. Additionally, critics have noted um, that documentaries are different because they are... uh, uh, providing an, an opinion and a message along with facts. So, like, they are, they're biased. Documentaries, 
many of them come with a bias. Well, they would. They well, would okay. do Any, anything. Any journalism piece of media. comes with a bias. Any whatever. piece of media now, does. Now, ideally, the bias doesn't overwhelm the subject. So we have some experience having seen a lot of documentaries I've, I've and i watched you've probably watched a trillion documentaries i love i love documentaries I know, you and okay so this little inside baseball here when she goes to bed she'll put a documentary up on her tv and let that lull her to sleep <laughs> i do so I, she's like i don't know uh, world war ii just lulled me no, to sleep last it night. was world war one world war one you love the trenches years, i was watching for years i would watch documentaries and i and it was nice because i'd eventually fall asleep yeah and so then then i I'd go back and i'd watch him again i could i was like oh i never saw that part yeah, because i, I had dozed I off by then. That. so that i could Do you I dream about that. mustard gas no, I mean, it, was, it did get to be a little bit i, I was having really remember for a while sleep. there you were, yeah you were like really mm. i was like stop watching war documentaries yeah. how's that yeah yeah that yeah. no, I, I got anxious but let's talk about how we've seen documentaries kind of change over yeah. time so documentaries used to be pretty straightforward in fact again as we were talking about documentaries in our personal life, mm-hmm. um, I mentioned David Attenborough. Right. Who? That's a very straightforward, beautiful narration of, you know, nature uh, or history or whatever's going on. And that's really mostly what I remember years ago mm-hmm. is straight up, very stuffy, Oxbridge kind of documentaries. Mm-hmm. And now they're kind of creeping towards entertainment. Mm-hmm. In fact, they've definitely crossed that line, right? Right. Where now you have, okay, we were doing some documentaries. Now let's throw in a little reenactment or, you know, let's uh, fictionalize a part of this or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it used to be, at least in my mind, mostly about elevated subjects, you know, big mm-hmm. historical events, mm-hmm. historical people. Now it's like, hey, Here's a guy who slammed his dick in a door. You know, we're going to do a three-parter on him <laughs> as to what led him to slam his dick in a door, you know? So and he was weird. famous for just slamming his dick in a door. So, please stop saying that. It's what? so weird. Oh, slamming his stop. dick in a door? Stop. I mean, there was certainly some swelling involved, I'm oh sure. Oh, my God. All right. Well, uh, okay. So, for me, I guess... <laughs> Less dicks in the door and more... Mine's not going to be as funny More as Romans. <laughs> but uh, no, but but mine my experience would be like those edu- really educational ones that you would see at school. And yeah. then uh, I agree with you. I think that there were a lot of animal, yeah, nature, kingdom, document. nature, yeah. document, well, science. I mean, animal, yeah, animal kingdom was basically a wild, weekly wild kingdom, wild was basically kingdom. a weekly animal documentary, yeah, right? Mutual of Omaha's wild then, kingdom, but even that then with eventually. Merlin, Oh, Mar- Par- Marlon Perkins. Marlon Perkins, that's it. And then it. Jim, somebody the fuck, yeah. whoever, <laughs> right? But then that even morphed eventually into like more of a Steve Irwin sort yeah. of thing where it's a personality driven, yeah. you know, ah, crikey, there's a kookaburra, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, let's guy see, let's guy say hi. <laughs> no, but it's true. Okay, and then I, then I remember them becoming much more like Ken Burns' The Civil War. Yeah, which which is really elevated production values. Yes, and you know, just I, I think that really describes it is the elevate elevation, the more production value brought to the documentary. And I mean, look, let's just say right here, Ken Burns is an amazing documentarian, mm-hmm. and there is a tendency to kind of say, well, yeah, but he just like 
kind of had a niche and he, you know, he kind of popped. They all are that way. He yeah. has a model. Oh, yeah. But it's a beautiful model. It is a beautiful model. And yeah. that is it. I'm happy with his model. And many have tried to emulate his model. Yeah. Um, they, well, they should. It's and they great. Because it's a, it's a beautiful model. But, like, for Ken Burns, he'll just, like, he'll, like, you know, have just some still picture because of course he didn't have a video of everything he wanted and then just some guy with a southern accent would go i'm most proud to be american most proud to be a baseball fan <laughs> when baseball has led america <laughs> rather than followed it this and is that's from ken burns baseball. baseball yeah but you know that kind of thing where he would just you know and he would do like slash cuts to interviews with you know, actual historians and academics, but also baseball Shelby people. Shelby Foot. Shelby Foot. Civil War. Shelby Foot is <laughs> the king of all Civil War documentaries. He well because he, it was, was almost like now uh, he was the Tom Wolf of history. Right? <laughs> He's like, I got a nice, I got a nice white suit on. I look like a racist cracker, but I'm really an academic. <laughs> <laughs> what do you I mean? He looked like a racist he did. cracker. He, he, he looked like Shelby Foot looked yeah. like he looked like a Southern gentleman. That, <clears throat> excuse me, but I don't know if you know this, but a Southern gentleman is racist, a racist cracker. A racist <laughs> cracker to me is like a like rednecky well, guy. Not me, not a to me, not the he Southern. Looked, he still could be racist. Yeah, he, he but, looked like if Colonel Sanders had a PhD. <laughs> well, they would, they, yeah, but I see, I wouldn't say that that was but a I, cracker. I, I kind of always conflate him with Tom Wolfe in my mind, yeah. like this kind of, you I know. conflate him with Robert E. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do, there you go. I feel who, like that must be. Who, by be, the way, was a racist cracker. Well, I would, would that I believe, he was an aristocrat. But he's a racist. He is, but that doesn't, cracker well, and that's aristocrat. Just my, that's just my epithet for him. All right, but uh, yeah, he always reminds me of Robert E. Lee. Yeah, I, I think that's who he sounds like, probably, in my me, mind. I, believe me, I had many college professors who were basically those guys, mm -hmm. right? Because I went to school in the South. Yeah, you got you got taught by a bunch of racist crackers yeah, in his shows. All right, so, but after, you know, you go through the 80s with, I guess, with late 80s and 90s with Ken Burns. Yes. Then you start sliding into what we have now, which is much more, again, torn from the headlines, salacious in many ways. It's it's a kind of similar, again, a similar model where you have maybe sort of reenactment kind of yeah. things happening. Yeah. And then interviews with right. people who are involved. They were in like, it. Ken Burns should have, you know, had some, uh, you know, animated wars or something, you know, instead of just those still photographs. Yeah. They're like, he should have had some CGI. And they, well, and, but Ken Burns does it, but it, I guess he does the same format. It's just the subject matter that's become. No, he would, but he didn't, he didn't do fabrications or anything. No, not, fa no, but he did. There were kind of reenactment things. Were there? That, yeah. I think or like that they, an actor. Yeah, like, they had a, some actors, but it would be always like in tight close up of, right, right, you right. would see men. They probably filmed reenactors yeah, like, doing it. Yeah, and you know this scene stars Ulysses S. Grant's beard. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't always just pictures. I think that they did show no, sometimes. I, didn't think they did. I I thought that they did, but at any rate, that's what they have become now. Right. They have a lot of intercut with actors who are reenacting right. something that's being talked about, um, or. In the House of Hammer, it was like a lot that the Live his interviews. girlfriends yeah. would would have would uh, record 
in particular, particularly the one, Courtney, yeah. she recorded a lot of what they were doing and yeah. what, like took pictures for Instagram and did I mean, reels a, or this whatever. This is the multimedia age. You so can't just actually, go with, you can't just show some still photographs and know. have some, you know, educated guy talking over it. You yeah. got to have some, you got to have the tea. So, okay. So that's really what we've seen, right? In our lifetime. But yes. documentaries have been around since... Film, film has been around. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it might be argued that a lot of what early films are. I mean, I, I I'm not a film historian. I have talked with no one on one with no we film historian. We know some. Certainly, certainly, there are other films that were being made, but in the early days, a lot of them were documentary in yeah. style. So, for example. They would do like very short films, one minute or less, or sometimes maybe, you know, a couple minutes. And they were called actualities. So they'd take up for the film would be a one minute of people, you know, the bell ringing and people coming out of a factory. Pouring out of the factory. And then having like cockroaches out of a brightly lit kitchen. Then knowing that they had been filmed, these people were enticed to go and see the film. To see themselves coming out of a factory. I mean, what's, so, what's a bigger thrill than that? You know, the, this is like the very, very early days of documentary. Remember some of those things that when we were doing the um, Patreon podcast and we did the internet in archaeology and you yes. and I both looked at a film on YouTube yeah. that was just a streetcar going down the street. Yeah, it was, it was taken. It's a very famous uh, film clip where it's a film of downtown San Francisco the mm-hmm. day before the big earthquake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just shows regular shit. Right? Yeah, just people would follow, it follows like a, I a can tell you, car. I, yeah, I can tell you that there was a lot of jaywalking. <laughs> there sure was. That was a lot. <laughs> there was a there was no s- real traffic laws no. involved. There was, you know, traffic flow just kind of went where it went. Now, am I wrong in assuming that many, many early documentaries had to do with construction workers accidentally hitting their co-workers with a board what? <laughs> <laughs> like they would spin around and whack the guy with a board no are you sure no i feel like that happened a lot back no then. those are those would be different right are but you sure no yes so, oh. so i re- i so i watched those as documentaries so yeah well now people they kind in the of 20s are. were very clumsy all right so learning about this i was thinking about it and i thought you know as much as it is a novelty and something that People would like to see because it's interesting. It's new. Sure, that would course. be brand I mean, new. I mean, right? I would, it had to have been film was brand new. Yeah, so it would sure. have been, had to have been really fascinating to suddenly have access to and something possibly like that. involve burning people as witches. But, <laughs> but then also it's so it's almost a proof of concept. Like this works, and I can then it's a way shit, and yeah. you can watch it, and you can watch it, and, and there'll be piano music playing behind it. <laughs> and they were also able to kind of hone their craft as filmmakers, sure. right? Learning how to to do that. Other things that they used the technology for that would have been documentary in nature during porn, those early years. Right? <laughs> no, well, probably yeah. because of course everything of, porn, of course, is the. At, at the edge of the knife of technology is porn. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's it, true. If you're like, what what technology is going to survive? Which one is porn using? That's the one. Um, uh, beta? Mm, they didn't use. They went to VHS. <laughs> Beta's gone. We're doing porn. Decided the market. Um, so they had doctors who would have their operations 
that they would have That's their operations filmed. So then those could be used for educational purposes. Yeah, so like, you, those here's are, here's another patient we killed on the table because we didn't know what we were doing because we're barbers. All right. So another kind of very early. So this is late late nineteenth early early twentieth century. That was okay. So now here we come into the early twentieth century, nineteen twenties and on, and yeah. you see the rise in in what are called travel logs. These were reenactments meant to be faithful to whatever they are showing. So in some a famous one is Nanook of the North and it's a to, right. it shows the actual life way of, of indigenous cultures. Yeah. But they would do things like cut the top off of an igloo so that they could get film into it, right. you know. So So there's some intrusion by the by the filmmakers, filmmakers. right? Yeah. And I mean reenactment of an event yeah. that has it's like that Nanook happened. uh Grow that salmon again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that also things called city symphonies, and I think that, that sounds amazing. What is that? <laughs> okay, so there was one that's called Manhattan, and it was uh, the primary. <laughs> Did they, could they just not afford the end? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're out of money. All right, take the end. <laughs> so these city symphonies would be just like you would. They put a camera in, and these were longer form. And they take a bunch of like kind of actualities yeah. and, and thread them together as a film. Yeah. And this is kind of also on the edge of like the avant garde. It was there was some mixing mm. of of um, still photography. Sure. I don't know. There's a, this is like a they're getting a little experimental, new wave. Yeah, get a little freaky. The, the, yeah, get a little freaky. Get a little yeah. bit like experimental yeah. stuff. So movement is kept to a minimum. The incidental motion within the scene, but the camera is stationary and yeah. it's filming that's these safer. moments in a yeah. in a city. So if you think about that, though, that's going to be an interesting film to see. I'm going to reveal something to you right yeah. now. One of my secret pleasures. Mm-hmm. Are you nervous? Oh, no. I know what it is. It's those walking tours. On yes. TikTok. How do you know? No, it's, well, I watch them on YouTube, but they do, like, you can just pick any city in the world and watch a super vivid video of someone walking through a beautiful city in Europe in 4K. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously not as nice as traveling there, but it's cool. I mean, like you see, here's what people really look like in this uh-huh. city. Here's what the architecture is. I love those. Well- if you think about the United States at the turn, uh, you know, early 20th century. And I often do. <laughs> it's a very agrarian society still. Yeah. There's still a lot of people that live in the country. Um, cities would be exotic. I mean, of it's course. not to say no one lived in cities. Obviously, lots of people lived in cities. But it's still, especially but, big cities yeah, like they would go to the New pic- York. They would go to the picture shows. Yeah. And like... They're just showing a film of us walking through, uh, people walking through New York. Like, I'm in. It's you know, not I'm, even people. It's just, well, it could be, yeah. I stare like at the back of a, a cow's ass all day, so yeah. I'm definitely going to watch that. Okay, then uh, you get into kind of at, around this time newsreels. Oh, yeah. Those were big, those especially during the wars. wars. Right. Those go through the wars. Um, sometimes they're staged. Often, so a lot of... Times we'll see anybody who watches World War One documentaries. You'll yeah. see a lot of. There's always the same kind of film clip where you see men scrambling up over and they're going over the top right, right, of the right. trenches. And, like and boys, all, I need you to go up over the top of the trench again. It's like we got shot by Germans last time <laughs> we did that. So these are that part yeah. of it is staged, but it's staged 
as realistically as they possibly right. can. Right. It's in situ, it. as we right. say in archaeology. Mm-hmm. Oh, but <laughs> you and famous archaeologists. Yes, right? I am. Okay. That's one of my many, many, many qualifications <laughs> that uh, I bring to this. Okay. Uh, but it was kind of, it, but it was also very. You know, it had a perspective, right? It had a point of view. It was very Audie Murphy, you know, go USA. And so, and they would have like some guy with the transatlantic accent say, you know, <laughs> you do it, <laughs> you do it. No. You know, you want to. No, I don't know what you're wanting well, like, to say. You're like, you know, the boys really showed the hun what to do that day, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever. Or what they gave him what for? <laughs> you know? That's true. It's like what for what? I don't know. We just gave them what for. <laughs> But that gets into propaganda. Yeah. And, of course, propaganda was a a big deal in the war years and it's probably always a bit well i mean, I mean can't, any can, war at any time there is propaganda at and any time in between wars you have the propaganda, propaganda right and then after wars you have some propaganda that's right and then there's propaganda in between all of those things okay yes. so these may be documentary documentary ish they have the form they have of the, the documentary feel of a documentary but they have an explicit purpose to persuade an audience of a point would that be a worse wonder twin power <laughs> form of documentary <laughs> it's better than bucket of water. It, it is more useful than a bucket of water. Let's be honest. Unless you're in a desert, in which or case a bucket of water is fighting a fire. Handy. I don't know. Although I don't know if I would drink Zan. Like Zan, I understand you're a bucket of water now, but I'm not that thirsty. Oh my god! All right. So one of the most celebrated, for instance, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Um, wow. Questioning celebrated my... and controversial propaganda films was. Lenny, it's, this is a German name, L-E-N-I, Lenny. Yes, Lenny, yeah, Lenny. <laughs> Lenny Riefenstahl. Oh, Riefenstahl, yeah. <laughs> no, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> uh, the film was called The Triumph of Will. I didn't, I've never seen it, but I think I've heard of it. I've heard it referenced. Is that where a lazy Canadian 20-year-old <laughs> Conquers the world. <laughs> becomes a TikTok sensation yeah, exactly. and is immortalized on Gen X That's right. Is that what happened there? <laughs> the triumph of will. Yeah. Um, Adolf Hitler had a uh, oh, he, production he probably, credit for I that. Am, I'm not surprised that, I mean, look, the Nazis were very involved with disinformation, information, uh propaganda etc yeah mean, and they, you they, can imagine they, and they were pretty good at it they were right? oh of course of course um, they managed to the, convince you know whatever seven or eight million people to shit on the whole world <laughs> the u.s n- oh we d- are never we are, to be outdone we are the kings of propaganda <laughs> all right 1936 there was uh the resettlement administration recruited a, a director to create the film, the 1936 film, The Plow That Broke the Plane. It's notable because it's a New Deal production. And of course, it wants to get out some information about, you know, wants, it wants to get out a viewpoint that the government hopes right. that people will, you know, buy into. It supports the New Deal campaign by showing the public that the search for profits in the West resulted in the displacement of settlers, misuse of the land, and ultimately resulted in the dust storms that affected the Great Plains region in the 1930s. So this is one of the most widely publicized attempts by the U.S. federal government to communicate to citizens through motion pictures. I'm sure that- You guys fucked up the whole Midwest. (laughs) Now, you know that there are people who believe that there are films that are being made, like, 
Hollywood movies that are being made to influence the world. That to are a certain extent. Somehow sponsored by the government. The well, government is. To a certain extent, that is was true. Walt Disney produced a lot of propaganda films in World War, the World War II era. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are like posters of Mickey saying, you know, murder the Hun and stick a <laughs> bayonet in his eye or whatever. <laughs> Mickey during World War One. Yeah. Well, World I guess, they, I no, guess World, World War, War II. II had also a hunt. Yeah, just stick a bayonet in his eye. It's <laughs> 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 well, it always some kind of accent. Go, That's go. not an accent. That's just a voice. Oh, God. That's <laughs> true. But yes, I mean, but we're more subtle about it now. Mm-hmm. So now I grew up in a military family, right? Mm-hmm. My dad, even though he's a civilian, he worked for the Army. So I got to watch a lot of AFRTS, mm-hmm. which is not a uh, poop joke. It's, it's not AFRTS. It's AFRTS, American Forces Radio and Television Service. So we would see commercials produced by the Army for propaganda purposes, mm-hmm. basically. Now it's a little more subtle. For example, Top Gun. The reason they let the director and producers of Top Gun film actual military aircraft was because the- Recruitment tool? Yeah, because the, the the movie was basically pro-U.S. military. Right. Now, uh, I suspect like the Tom Cruise Vietnam movie, whichever one that was, where he had Born to on the 4th of pee July. through a tube. God, right. what the hell? That's what you remember oh, about that 100%, movie? Oh, 100%. That's mostly what I remember. I'm like, that has to suck. Because he's got like a little plastic Mark, tube to no, pee through. I know. God, it's a <laughs> catheter, man. Yeah, exactly. God. That's terrible. But that's what I. But I guarantee you, the U.S. military was like not volunteering to, you know, hey, you gay, you can film our equipment, whatever, because we're more subtle about it now. So the military would be like, if this is a positive portrayal of the U.S. military, we're going to allow you to film installations and mm-hmm. equipment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, they won't. Mm-hmm. And that's a more subtle version of documentary propaganda. Well, it, I mean, what's more propaganda than you know, Top Gun? A, that's not a documentary, though. That's a no. That's a it film, isn't a fictional. But absolutely, story. But, but yes, I get it. That is pro. Yes, yes, yes. So you're right. Okay. So then let's talk about like the 1950s through the 70s. This is a time of cinema verite. Oh, we and <laughs> similar traditions and can be seen kind of scholars think as a reaction against studio based film project production constraints. Yeah. So here the, the, the lot of things would be filmed on location uh, with smaller crews. Um, yeah. Filmmakers would were starting to learn about the technology was changing and advancing. Filmmakers were learning how to use that and, and, and include that into the filmmaking process often like handheld oh, yeah. cameras or steady um, cams. No, were steady cams invented yet? I don't Probably know, not. no, but handheld cameras. And then they were, could be filming a person during their, a crisis that they're involved sure. in, for instance. So in these kinds of documentaries, you don't necessarily see sit down interviews. You might see people like interacting it's not necessarily strict interviews. Yeah, they, they, they pretend have, basically that the camera isn't there. Right. You're just you're just or in the room. You're with capturing them. a moment, even if the person is is talking, even the person you're filming with is engaging with you. It's not like a formal interview. Yeah. And so a film that kind of falls into this. Oh, 
is Great Gardens. Remember we watched Great Gardens You said together? we were going to do that, an episode on that, but you never did that. We know, I never did. That's one of those type of documentaries. And if you have not seen Great Gardens, listeners, you ought to sit to watch it. It is a fascinating kind of exploration of this relationship between these two kind of like uh, shut-in yeah. relatives of Jackie... Kennedy? Yeah. Oh, like Not the most fruitful branch of the uh, Bouvier-Kennedy dynasty. No. <laughs> All right. So then we move into more modern documentaries like the Civil War. Yeah. We talked about those already. And it's those are just, for me, that to me feels like That's a documentary. That's very documentary. Yeah. Now, for me, if you say, what is the quintessential documentary? I'm still going back to the David Attenborough. Mm-hmm. Right? But I agree. Ken Burns really raised the bar for a while at least determined what a documentary should look like mm-hmm. have a have a great strong narrative um high production values original sources academics you know involved to comment mm-hmm. you know that's really to me that's what a documentary should be mm-hmm. so that is not what we get with many of the documentaries that we have watched and commented no, because on. The Netflix documentary is now a thing. And that's a very different thing than the PBS documentary or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really more, as you said, ripped from the day's headlines type of thing. Mm-hmm. And in fact, even the ones that aren't current, like you can find documentaries on Netflix and Amazon and I'm thinking about this Rome one, not mm-hmm. Rome, the TV show, but Rome, where it's it purports to be a documentary, but it's all very reenactment heavy. And they want to definitely show you some blood and some titties mm-hmm. right during the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's basically documentary. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Okay, so let's let's talk about that because what you're really discussing here is kind of an elevated form of documentary, which is is the is oh, yeah. the, the, the Ken Burns the Ken Burns type, type. or you know where you have a lot of talking heads with yeah. impressive lower thirds and right, all of that. Okay. Right, right. So we are in agreement that there is an elevated level of documentary. Yes. And, then and there can is I thank, now- can I thank you for not using the word at <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> thank you. All right. But then also there's more of this entertainment. Yes. Documentary. That's what I was saying. So, right. So I think where we see that happening a lot mm-hmm. is in docu-series that are now really about these salacious they yes. they make it the more salacious they can make it the better yeah well we and we talked about that i think a lot in in the natalia grace mm-hmm. documentary where they were they went out of their way to kind of be as sensationalist mm-hmm. and you know gross as possible and it, that i mean i think that's what you're talking about there like, yeah can we find anybody with a hernia and <laughs> have them take their shirt off yeah <laughs> that was just dumb luck i'm sure how yeah, that like, happened. oh my god we're so lucky we found this guy with a hernia so that's what we get with the army hammy army hammer army hammy, army hammy the army hammer documentary <laughs> this documentary and i think now is the time to maybe yeah, maybe talk a little it. bit about let's what that documentary it. is about this documentary is I think a three-parter, it's on HBO Max, and it really tries to dive into a much bigger story than maybe it 
was warranted because the second right. and third parts they, they were, were milking it. They were they were milking it, and I think that that's part of what is the problem: is that a subject that could really just be contained in maybe a film length, like a two hour. Well, tell me, tell me better. the story. Tell me the so story. So it's Army Hammer's story about how he gets. Army Hammer is an, some kind of actor. Yes, he's. Well, I assumed everybody knows yeah, it. Let's do All right, now. so Army Hammer is an actor who has some bizarre proclivities sexually. Right. Now, in and of themselves, having fantasies about BDSM, that's not bizarre. But we are super sex positive He here. moves beyond that. And he, uh, but then they try to tie it back to a, like a family legacy. And Which they, I don't think they were wrong necessarily because his family does sound pretty fucked up. Yeah, well, for sure. But I just, I just didn't know it got, if it got, it got... It got greasy. It right? got... It, it, well, and it's not even that, because you would think, well, it's greasy. That's interesting. But it got... It was really hard to kind of keep up with. And then maybe that's to do with the filmmakers, too. Oh. You know, because it was P. really tough to, at a certain point, understand what even was going on there. Yeah. There's too many armaments they didn't, and They didn't Julian really keep and, the narrative clean. No, it was you know? flipping back and forth. And They're like, uh, wait, we have some other shitty thing to tell you, you know? And, it, and they would always sprinkle in, like, okay, and then there's... There's this story about the family history, and then, but remember, Army remember, Hammer, cannibal. Yeah, he wanted to eat the shit out of everybody he dated. Ew. Well, that's, he wanted apparently the ribs. And the were ribs the, were, were the, the thing. I mean, he's a rib guy. You know, whatever. It's like some people, boob guy, ass guy. He was a rib guy. Oh my he's god. He's like, you know what? I love your ribs. Oh, I want to take one out and barbecue it. Maybe some. <laughs> maybe some. Baby, some sweet, sweet baby, baby Ray. Hey, I knew sweet baby Ray. <laughs> you do had sweet baby this. Ray had to be Stop. into the conversation. The only episode that we're going to go in depth into is the first one, which is really detailing Army Hammer. Yeah. And it starts with this woman coming out. And this is what I mean. Now, I'm not here to try and victim blame. This no. woman has had a rough go of things. Look, Army was not a great boyfriend. But she encounters him in person in Dallas. She is, is her name is Courtney yeah. Vasekovich. And she met him in person at a bar. But she said they just kind of like looked at each other, maybe said a few words, and that yeah. wasn't really much. And then they like she knew who he was, though. He's the actor uh, who is in um, the social network yeah. as the and Winkle let's just, let's just say this right now. Very good looking guy. Oh, my God. Like a... Super chiseled, handsome guy. Oh, ridiculous! He yeah, he's not having any trouble with the ladies. He, uh, he he's he, rich and he's gorgeous. He's famous and he's good looking. And when he was also married, actually. Well, so. whatever. You know. <laughs> okay, sure. Be a you know rain on his parade a little bit. But he played the Winklevoss twins in the Social Network, and then he was also in. Uh, the movie Call Me By Your Name with Timothy yeah. Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet, who's your favorite human of I all love, time. Love that actor. He then went on to be in Rebecca, the retelling of Rebecca. Yep. Yep. And he was good in that. I thought he was a good Maxim a de Winter. Good actor. He's in stunning looking. Well, um, good, good and, looking guy. And, and yeah. good, good actor. But we learn from Courtney that he follows her on Instagram. They start DMing oh, with each the, other. See, mm -hmm. all right, look, if you're trying to get a celebrity, apparently the way to go is is to get them to follow your gram. I guess that's they where it starts because they slide they, into your nobody DMs. is nobody is Twitter following, Facebook, 
It's all happening on the gram. I just never really <laughs> liked like, Instagram. Just get on the Insta, and that's where the celebrity hookup. Well, that's why you're not hooking up with celebrities. There's many, <laughs> there's many reasons that I'm not hooking up with celebrities. Well, I mean, that's one of them, certainly. Oh, boy, boy. All right. You need to be more active on the gram if you want to get, I you guess. know, so some celebrity. He, he slides into her DMs. And they start a relationship and they're going back and forth. And now she's, of course, she's very pretty, but there's something about the, her way she's telling this story that I was like, oh boy, it's a lot of a little bit of uh, of kind of wide-eyed innocence. Yeah, a and I think, bit. That, I think that is a very <laughs> common story with celebrities and the gram. You know, she was very pretty and oh, yeah. she was a bus- business owner and Damn. she developed an app called Flashed. I, to me, she comes across. I, I believe what she's saying. I she's not likable, and I hate to be no, this person. I understand. You don't. Well, you're not dating her. I'm so not. It's cool. I, she's not to me. She doesn't come across as likable to she me. She comes across to me as a basic. And 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 honestly, it just she acts too much. Like I just kind of didn't know what was happening yeah, until like it was wide-eyed, sort of bullshit. Like, do you? How much does his celebrity? Oh, because promise you, please. I, I promise you, as soon as a guy who's not good looking slides into your DMs and starts talking, she's to like, you, ooh, creepy. First of all, she wouldn't talk to that person. Right. But let's say he was even a decent looking guy, but maybe not as Even famous. if he looked like Army Hammer, but was not famous and rich. Yeah. Like he was a waiter. <laughs> and he started like, talking. She's like, who are you? Get, get away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> maybe. But I think, I think it more, I think it's easier for them, for celebrities maybe to get people to, to lower their boundaries. Duh. Uh, that's the most the... obvious thing you've ever said in your whole life. <laughs> well, uh, of course it is. That's what I'm trying to get at yes, here. Yes, I'm with you 100%. I think that where she's trying to profess that, like, you know, she wouldn't have been that trusting if it was nope. Joe Schmo no. down her, the street. Yeah, her. Even if, she even if he listened, looked like Armie She would have listened to the alarm bells going off. She would have, right. There were so many red flags Mm-hmm. That she just went, well, but he's famous and rich. Yeah. And, and so the, the the documentarians here decided to bring in, you know, a, a number of people to speak to this. Several of the women that Army Hammer had been involved with. And then also, randomly, some guy he went to acting school with. Who knows? And then uh, yeah. uh, later on in another episode, you you meet, not in, the, not in the first episode, but in a later episode, you meet someone who worked for him in some capacity. Yeah. And they both talk about like the the guy who was in acting school was basically there just to like sort of say, well, yeah, I knew him in acting school and he was from a rich family. He he never tried to eat me, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and the guy who used to work for him goes, you know, I I didn't have it as hard as these women did. But, you know, he did do some stupid things to me when he harassed me when I was working for him. Uh, Not sexually. Rich rich people are shitheads. Uh, News. Yeah. Film at 11. But but like pushing boundaries. Like, I guess he made this guy he he told this guy to go and hold up a homophobic sign in an el- in the airport as just for just be funny to, yeah. as he's waiting for some yeah. to pick someone up and the guy i guess wouldn't do it but whatever these are not academics they didn't have really any no. they had a no, few they had one woman who was of, like a bdsm specialist right but but you would ex- what is that even <laughs> well somebody who's a dominatrix yeah, yeah. i'm like was that a academic discipline well but she could speak to what it's like to be in bdsm relationships and one and one thing she did make very clear is that allegedly bdsm 
lifestyle is centered around consent. Yes. Now, I don't know if that's true, but ideally it is. Ideally, right? uh, is it always applied? No, I, probably I not. Think is that rarely? Rule? Is that well? I don't know. I can't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to I mean, say that. You know, she did provide some, I guess, expertise, but. Expertise, would, maybe? It, but you would expect there to be more, I guess, you know, like for a documentary. Like bring in a psychologist for fuck's right, sake. Right, 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 right. Army Hammer seems really crazy and psychotic. Let's talk about what where those kinds of fantasies might come from. Because really, ultimately, he's, he hasn't taken, as far as we know, and now we don't know this he for sure. He hasn't eaten anyone. But in the, in the case of these people, things went down a, a road, and in the case of one of the people that he was involved with, it could have resulted in, like, sexual assault right but he he didn't have he didn't eat any part of any of these no. people he's you know, a big he, talker he has these fantasies and that's the thing is that courtney's talking about how their relationship starts out and she she said it's all in in dm it's right when covid is starting so they yeah. have all these hours of the day to just be yeah. constantly dming and covid calling. was probably pretty enabling for online sex weirdness yeah so their boundaries are kind of dropping they are right? because they, it's online but you know. and he's love bombing her at first oh 100 and he was telling her how smart she was how beautiful she right. was how close he felt to her she said that he was sharing a ton of personal stuff even though it was super weird no like yeah. family stuff yeah, yeah. all right now here and he had a lot of family stuff here's something for me red 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 flag i mean also an easy red flag to miss Love bombing. It's easy to know that oversharing. It's easy to get lost yeah. in that feeling because it's it creates a false sense of intimacy, intimacy. right? And right. So, and what I think that some people don't know because she said he was telling me all of these things. Yeah, and then I felt I thought privileged. She goes, I thought to myself, wow, he must feel really safe. Yeah, and then she said, well, therefore I should feel right. safe. And now I'm going to tell him things. Well, then as soon as she starts opening up about things, now he's got her. He's, he's lowering, got leverage. He's, got, he's lowering and he's her got boundaries. Information. And yeah. and the thing is, is that there are people, and I know that this. It's easier to to recognize it from the outside looking in to say too much is being shared, and that person doesn't really care about what they're sharing with you. They're no. not really telling you their deep dark secrets. They're telling you things that make you. Think think they're sharing right. but that stuff doesn't really get below the surface with them it and, might be and, a, a, and it's probably not even a deep trigger for them no it's not that's what i'm saying yeah it's not emotionally all those words i just used yeah was exactly what i was you're welcome saying. you're welcome for me summarizing your very <laughs> rambling oh, and overly loquacious that's description so mean. i can't so she tells her story and it's yeah. really their relationship arc what you learn is that concurrently, he's got another woman oh, on he's, the hop. Oh, he's doing this. A woman He's in copy New York. pasting. He is. It's copy paste. And, and some of them get sec more sexual faster. Um, but he's always about. I'm all about that. Dominance. Yeah, oh, he's, he's a control freak, mm -hmm. right? That's his, that's his real kink. I mean, they talk about the, the cannibalism, which is definitely kind of weird. But to me, that is all control and mm -hmm. submission mm -hmm. like if you're willing to let me barbecue one of your ribs that's pretty submissive right that means yeah. i'm the king 
Well, if you're, it, it, it's, and the thing is, is that how practical is that really? Not at all. I don't think a doctor would be willing to remove someone's rib for a barbecue. No, of course not. And that's, and, and honestly, and that's, that's not even a full meal. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a snack. That's not my point. I would though. not make you go under surgery, under anesthesia and surgery for just a snack. Mm-mm. I mean, it would have to be so, like. A long-term thing. So, but the point here is, is that his dominance is not practical in the sense that once, because where does it end then? It's a fantasy. It's it. It really, you know, that I think in some elements he does bring out. Um, in he does act on, but. Those are not going to be long-term relationships. I think it's he strategic. Talked, he talked about his wife in an article in Playboy mm. where he talked about sort of like that he had an interest in, in dominant sex and, yeah. you know, rough sex. But he said, I would never do that with my wife. I think that was that he's quoted in yeah. Playboy saying I would only that do it with the women I'm cheating with. Because I respect her too much. Yeah. So this isn't. Again, it's not really a lifestyle that he's talking about getting into where there's consent and respect involved in it. doesn't care about that. That's not it because he sees it as inherently disrespectful to the woman that he's engaging with. It's a power play for him. So it is. So if he can get somebody to say, okay, you can eat my rib, he's like, yes. Yeah. That is me being, you know, I am Zod. Right, 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 exactly. Kneel before me and give me your rib. Oh, God, (laughs) it's so gross. I want to drive my enemies before me and hear the lamentations of their women. Right. stop saying rib. Well, that's what he wanted. Ew, So we also see in this series, uh, Jennifer Morrison in this episode, she's the woman in New York. Now she's a little she bit has more dark hair, yes. kind of more sophisticated. Yeah, she's a little bit cynical. S- more, yes, yeah, she's yeah. a little bit more savvy. At yeah. least she admits to now, being savvier. She was still stupid. Well, she's she got herself involved in a texting relationship with him that right. got to be down fine. down, down a sexy went down path. a rabbit hole. It went down that sexy path, but she never met him in person. And Courtney said the first woman said, "Oh, I discovered that he was married. Then I asked him about it, and he told me that they've been separated for two years and they're right. getting divorced." Jennifer Morrison <laughs> yeah. said, "I googled and saw that he was married." She never confronted him or doesn't at least talk yeah. about confronting him. And then she said, I feel, I'm not so stupid. I know if he's doing this with me, this kind of texting, he's doing it with someone Smart. else. So she might be the smartest person in the whole documentary. <laughs> and he repeats this pattern where he gets into yeah. all of this kind of bitey stuff. Right. But all right. So here's what really this documentary wants you to know. It wants you to know how, what, what weird things Army Hammer does. And the fact that he's now a bad guy and he should be canceled, right? And he's being canceled right. by by uh, Hollywood. And that um, uh, that the family that there's roots of there's this dark, that go back dark history. Yeah, right. this is the, like his his badness might have roots in a past that is somehow Which, inherited I'll buy from that. his family. I wouldn't doubt it. And and it all leads up to meeting his sister. Uh, or no, his aunt, whose name is Casey, and yeah. she's written a book that most of this is is yeah. She outs the Hammer family. Yeah, she it's her family. And she's it's her, the Mary Trump of the Hammer family. She sure she she's sure spilling is. the tea mm-hmm. about how shitty this family is. 
So let's talk. I want to talk about some of the stuff that Army Hammer says. Are you reading from your notes now? I am reading from my notes now. So as this starts being exposed online, because of course, right. as, as it as does, it does I mean, it's exposed that's, online that's life. by amateur like gossip columnists yeah. and like Paris Hilton. Or, <laughs> I mean, not Paris Hilton, Perez Hilton. No, no, it's so not it's even that. Not high. even that high. It's just you know, one is called BBF Bravo. Yeah, that's, that's exactly there. what I just said. That's that's their okay. one is called Dumois is a gossip account. Yeah. Um, and then there's. Can I just go on record and saying everybody you're listening here right now is a horrible person? <laughs> no, they're all. I mean, I hate gossip. People. I, I oh, fucking the, hate the gossip. Zen blonde. And what these fuck, fuck all of those no, three these, people. These people are bringing out the story. Then. I don't care. Who, do I need to know that Army Hammer is, is a bad guy? Not really. All right. Well, I don't care. Uh, at, at any rate. Well, I mean, I kind of care because I saw, I was like, hmm, he's cannibal. <laughs> That's <interesting. laughs> See? That's kind of cool. <laughs> All right. So there's that element too. And I want to talk about, a little bit about that. But you you get this, um, the uh, these people starting to bring this information out online. And one of the people that comes forward is this woman known as Effie. And I don't want to talk. Too, too much, much about her. Because Effie doesn't really want to be talked about. She doesn't want to be talked about, and she didn't really have a great response to this documentary. No, and she might. said because it's exploiting no shit. Her, her trauma. It's and exploiting they use her, everybody's trauma. You know, she doesn't want to be a part of it, and she feels like she was exploited, yet Gloria Allred, who is her attorney. Who's a psh, the one of the shittiest human beings in California. She is right. actually a part of this documentary. I anyway. despise Gloria. And look- I am pro women, anti anti domestic abuse, but Gloria Allred is a shit human being. <laughs> All right, so some of the people that, or some of the things that Army Hammer said to, yeah. in particular, to this Effie, that he craved blood, that he was really into doming, that he wanted to bite her and then have a ta have her have that tattoo, the mark. I guess he was really into biting now, a I'm, lot of. He used the word kitten a lot to talk to these women, yeah. and this is a, they they kind of traced it. That's a very he's just such a he's so. That's a very vanilla dom kind of yeah. You're like be he's my, like your mark he's got, is my kitten. He's got like dom one hundred and one. <laughs> you know, like the dom for dummies. He's reading, he's reading out of that. Because it elevates from Well, he does get a little cray when he goes into the cannibalism. <laughs> well, he says, you know, he goes from saying you'd be marked as my kitten to I want to shave your head and keep your hair with me. Okay, that's pretty fucked up. He said he wanted to cut off a piece of her skin and have her cook it for him. He then allegedly sexually no. assaulted her. Um, and We're not okay I, with that. He claims that everything was consensual. She right. says no. I feel like but Army he, doesn't have a firm grasp on the concept of consent. No. <laughs> I don't and, think he does. Well, no, he doesn't because Courtney complained, too, that that one of their last times together, he just, without really her, she said, I didn't say, I said everything but no. I said I was sick. I you know, said yeah, I was yeah, tired. Yeah. But she never said yeah, no. And then, no. She, and then he tied her up and, and did things. Did bad things. We are not passing judgment on the bdsm aspect of it because no, that's if look if that's your if, if that's your lifestyle it, do it and yeah exactly right that's the key is if everybody is cool with it uh-huh we're cool with it but if you're <laughs> not cool with it adults we're less cool with it you know he was he's living in some i just feel like he's the guy that's living in some kind of 
nine and a half weeks fantasy world. He, yeah, and he is or in... Or wants to. Sees yeah. nine and a half week and says that's aspirational. That's yeah. And, and he lives in this rarefied existence where money solves all his problems... He's great looking, so he can get away with all kinds of... He's famous. He that can get knocks all, down doors fast yeah, for him. he can get away with all kinds of bullshit. And I think in that kind of circumstance, humans mm-hmm. tend to push these kind of limits. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, especially if you're, you have a questionable morality. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have the power to do this... You're like, let's give it a shot. You know, mm-hmm. let me tell her that I want to bite her and fry her up like bacon or whatever it is. Right. And I'll get away with it because rich, good looking, famous. And in the end, not. And here's where it's interesting. And I think this is probably. Well, he pushed the, it too far. I think the the thing that is the most interesting part of this documentary to me is the role of the people that you claim to hate. These online I hate them. pop culture kind of curating people who will bring all kinds of rumors and gossip or, you know, page six things and bring that together and have thoughts on it and share that, yeah. share that with the community. It's sort of yeah. a, a local place to go. Now, as a woman, you know, one could make the argument that I would gravitate towards something like that yeah. um, just well, in look, real life. But I Let's think- be real. You would never fall for this. You would, would never fall for this. For him to this. do something like yeah. that? Oh, no. You would never fall for this kind of thing because you are confident, self-assured, self-aware, and smart. I know, but if but it I don't looks think like these, Army Hammer, I don't know. I, but well, I know, I understand I mean, that I he's great go looking. Down, I wouldn't go down. But at a certain point, you would just be like, no, no I don't well, want right. that. As soon as he would say something really high. But like, of course, I'm also much older. I've got 30 years No, I understand people. that. And and look, I understand that, you know, they they might be naive and starstruck and all that, all that. But I'm just saying that at a certain point, you would just be like, that's not okay. No, and I mean, that. I, w- I don't think that that would, I, I never would have imagined something like that could happen to me. But what I do think is the most interesting part of this is how the online community really brings this out and starts talking about it. Yeah. And from this, you know, sort of, those are the resources now that are reporting on the yeah. documentary. Those are the specialists. You're, not, you're who, not wrong. Who are existing in this world online. And it's very interesting to me to see how these facts are being disseminated to the audience. Here's, of this here's my problem with them, though. They're not journalists. They don't have any... No, they're sources. They they're, don't have any kind of ethical bedrock... That they're working from? No, they're not. But and, and you're going to get a lot of bullshit before you get truth. Now, in this case, they may be 100% correct, and it's they expose this guy, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But in general, they're shit sources, you know, because they just, they, work, they operate on rumor and innuendo, and it's just not... It's not journalism. Well, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think that they're trying to pass themselves off as journalists. Yes, they are. Well, of a sort. of Of a sort. They're not Edward R. Murrow. No, right? although one of them's last name is Cronkite. So. Yeah, well, there you go. But <laughs> they Candace, are Candace Cronkite. They are TMZ. Well, ish, right? But ish. these are that they're not even that level of professional. No, they're not. These are just people that are so literally. I just want. I mean, because occasionally they fuck up. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's bad that Army 
Hammer is exposed for being a fucking weirdo mm-hmm. and a and a manipulating, you know, piece of shit. I hundred percent agree. But just in general, I'm I I don't like them as a species. That's probably the most interesting part of this documentary to me is is sort of the difference in the sources that are are used to tell this story. Now, yes. if we go back to what we think that documentaries are oh, should Ken be, Burns is not doing this documentary, no, right? No, no, but our original statement, yeah. like what you think of documentary is it educational? Is it, educational? it is, is it historical? It's, it's informational. But I, I mean, feel like it ha- it ideally a documentary is elevated well they did try and make it they historical fuck, they didn't make it because i think really what they tried to do was tell this bigger story the hammer family the hammer family this legacy but of they could kind have, of if rot. they wanted to do that you do that differently mm-hmm. because they were mostly focused on good-looking army hammer manipulating instagram models Right, that's mostly what they focused on. And mm-hmm. if you really want to do a deep dive into the Hammer family, you do it differently. And and honestly, it just maybe would have made sense if they had started from the the past and yeah. used Casey Hammer as right. a source, but done some of their own digging and their own Which, research into you know, what was. And look, what I understand. Happened. You know, we live in a capitalistic capitalistic society. It's easy to just interview the celebrities. Get your, you know, make sure there's a lot of sensationalistic content, get paid, call it a day. Right. And that's how it, that's how it went. This is not a good documentary. No, it wasn't. It's an a, interesting, it was, it was an interesting story, story because it's prurient. It is. Right? And I, it's I, sensationalistic. Honestly, the first episode that we I watched, watched it, I mean, we watched it, you know, the first episode that I watched, I immediately posted on Twitter. I was like, run, wow. run. Go watch this. To watch this. Yeah. But, but it really, you should treat it like a tabloid article mm-hmm. instead of a documentary. So for me, with documentaries and and moving on to back to documentaries in general, rather than specific yeah. to House of Hammer, I, I look at them now as... Very influenced by reality TV. Absolutely, a hundred percent is what's going on here, because of the success. And my tongue is apparently very thick because of the success of reality television. Mm-hmm. That's the model right now. It is, and it's terrible. That's terrible that that's the model. It's a bad model. Go back to Ken Burns, or go back to David Attenborough. <laughs> well, I think it just is going to de- develop along the lines of that. It is, which is there are always going to be more elevated types of documentaries, and if you well, ask, let's see those. Well, right, but sometimes those aren't as as yeah. Planet we're, Earth. We would never necessarily be able to talk to talk to each other on this podcast about a documentary that's right, like a serious documentary. What are we going to talk about? Like you, the mating habits of the Oriole? <laughs> I mean, or even baseball. Yeah. It would be, oh, well, first of all, I would 100% so do a podcast long, about baseball. But no, the documentary baseball. But oh, it's yeah. so long for one thing. And for another, it's just so elevated that what are you really going to say to joke about? What are you going to oh, say? Oh, girl, don't challenge me. <laughs> no, in the same way that we could joke about the documentary about Flat Earth. 
Well, no, because we're not making fun of it, but I have a lot of right. Mordecai three-finger brown jokes oh boy, that right. you might want to hear. Honestly, baseball is the most romantic, amazing sport of all it time. It does have a beautiful How uh, can history. you not be romantic about baseball well, is the question. It's really only up to the 1965. 1960s. And then, it's, then it just maybe. gets dirty again because 70s, filthy era, filthy time. It's not great. So uh, I, I do. I think it's more framed like they do reality TV. Yes. Where it's these, it's not really. So the first season of The Real World, when they were in New York, right. the very first season, I think if you look at that, if you would look at that now compared to the rest of The Real World, oh. that would look more like a documentary, a proper sure. documentary, uh, even though they were pulling them out for interviews. I think it was probably much less scripted than future seasons of The Real World because they were still trying yeah. to figure out what the hell they were doing. Yeah. But that style of reality show now informs what documentaries are. So you but go and what you it get... Is, it's a documentary without the overarching kind of narrator academic, yeah. right? Right. I guess maybe we'll wrap up here. Let's let's pull everything back together. Yes. Harmy Hammer, not a great guy. Harmy Hammer. Harmy Hammer, yes. Army, Army Hammer. Army Hammer, not a great guy. Not a good guy. That the documentary, I would we say, get that. I would right? say watch it. You know, it's it's something I mean, that's interesting. Watch it, but like in the way that you would read a comic strip. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like Look, it's not going to change your life. It's not going to make you any smarter. But it was entertaining. It was interesting. You know, because the guy's a, a fucking way. weird guy. Now, Beckham, I just recently watched. Yeah, did you like that? That's That was also very good. It was... Was it a puff piece? That was better than was it a Hammer puff? Time. Was it a puff Hammer piece? Hammer Time. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Can't touch this. <laughs> So Christina is basically oh saying can't touch God. this. No, at this point. Uh, so it was better than uh, House of Hammer, but it wasn't worst Game of Thrones series ever. <laughs> but it wasn't it. But it wasn't that. Uh, it wasn't that deep. It certainly gave you a different perspective. On you know him. what? You know what documentary I would watch? Mm -hmm. House of Baratheon. <laughs> that I would watch. That sounds like a reality show. Yeah. But uh, but I would watch. I think that I think that. Beckham was really good, but again, it's a celebrity this yeah, time. It's instead celebration of, it's a of a celebrity, instead of a cel celebrity takedown, it was a, a celebrity puff piece build up. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I like those because I want to think that Beckham is a great guy. Mm -hmm. Probably isn't. Right? Well, no, he cheated on her, but yeah. I guess that's all been forgiven. Well, that's good. Good for you, Victoria. They were dancing to Islands in the Stream at the end, you know. I'm just waiting Time for the Taylor, the, the Taylor Swift and oh, Travis Kelsey documentary. That's going to be the most shiny puff piece of all oh, time. I love that. They couldn't. That's like a toxic positivity, right there. Oh, it really. I mean, it's it. I have. I it is. I, very honestly, sweet. and I like Taylor Swift, and I think Kelsey, whatever the fuck his name is, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, is a good football player, but I definitely will be sickened. By I'm at a certain point by their kind of you know just prominence in media. Well, they right have now. to at some. They're point. like, oh my god, Taylor hugged uh, Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend or yeah. whatever. I'm like, I don't need to know that. They need to be smart and understand that the crest of the wave mm -hmm. is 
could quickly you turn need to, to you need to dampen undertow. the wave. Yeah, you need to dampen the wave a little bit. Uh, yeah, maybe like recess. Yeah, a lay, little. lay back a little bit because th- th- at some point it, it's going to be it's going to be over. So, in saturated. addition to commenting on this documentary and Gen X uh, issues in general, we're giving some advice to Taylor Swift. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Taylor Tay 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 Tay. <laughs> we're going to need you to just back off a little bit. I know, <laughs> I know, you're like riding high because you have like this reality movie, this documentary movie. You're getting all this airtime. Chill a little. Just like make people want it. You know, <laughs> leave them right. wanting a wanting little. Wanting more. Well, I'll tell you what else everybody wants less of. Speaking of, because oh. a lot of this is 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 pulled out it, of the this headlines. This has got to be Brittany and Jada. No, please, yeah, both Jada. Of you. Get the fuck off my feed. <laughs> I have no interest in anything in your life. I understand that you and Will are having some issues. I don't care. Will, I think Jada's been having some some Will issues. Will is uh, Jada is a might not be a great person. No. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know for sure because I'm not going to you know psychologically diagnose her on this podcast. And well, she's trying to sell a book, right? Well, yes. You know I don't need to hear about it anymore. No, absolutely. No, and honestly, Agreed. everybody in the world is kind of like you know what we could hear less about. <laughs> I you. heard someone describe it as if we're being waterboarded. Yeah, with, we're being with waterboarded tea. with tea. Hundred percent. <laughs> that is one of the greatest descriptions of what's happening. I wish I could remember who said it. it was I don't know, not me, but, but it you was guys, whoever said that, you're a genius. That was absolutely funny. Um, all right, so I think let's wrap it up here. Oh my God, please. And we'll say please come follow us on Twitter. You're at Mark Eats Peach. I am at Christina Gen X. Our page is at Extemporaneous2. And we thank you very much for coming to listen to us each week. If you like us, share us with a friend. I'm going to say bye. Peace out, Cub Scouts. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. It's real hey, have you downloaded it yet? No, but it exists. I looked. Oh, I'm sure it does. So, I, I would. There's 11 people using it. So, I think that. Um, is it flashed F L A S H E D or is it flashed L F A? Oh, excuse me. F L A S H D. I'm almost a bottle in here. L F A S. Wow. Forget F L A S H T? No, D. Oh, just drop the E. Drop the E. First style. Okay. That was. Brutal and yeah, grueling. I'm sorry you had to live through that. <laughs> that must have been so quite an ordeal. Are you okay? Do you need medical help? <laughs> Do you need an aspirin? <laughs> okay. Wow. In all the BDSM relationships I've been in, <laughs> oh my god, I which don't are, want to hear this. Which are zero? Because <laughs> you know, I can. I, first of all, I don't look good in leather. <laughs> And definitely not rubber. That's so uncomfortable. So there's none of that. And I and I you know I have such a strong gag reflex, there's no way I could put a fucking racquetball in my mouth in any level. I can't. On any level. Stop. <laughs>